Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Bryce Eddy, and uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Liberty Station. So today we've got some very important guests, and we're going to talk about a uh, important book and a subject that um, you know we've been hitting a lot this week while uh, Rob has been out uh, saving the republic, and um, that is this uh, book on Anthony Fauci called "The Real Anthony Fauci." I've got um, the group that put that together. And so uh, today, um, uh, please uh, join me in a great conversation with uh, Tony Lyons and Sophia Karstens. And um, with that, uh, let's get right into it and, uh, and have them join us. Hey, Tony, Sophia, how are you? Great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, well, thanks for spending this time. I'm excited to get into this conversation because uh, I, I, you know, I read this book, got it here. It's dog-eared and uh, highlighted like crazy. And you know, on this show, we're we're fighting for liberty. You know, as you know, uh, uh, God speak. Uh, you know, birthed this Liberty Station um, uh, uh, channel here, and. You know, we've been fighting all along against what uh, both Big Pharma um, and, you know, of course, Bill Gates, which I'd love to get into there, and Tony Fauci and all of the edicts that have been coming down from, you know, the tyrannical government, you know, telling us what we can and cannot do. And um, we uh, early on, uh, you know, got kicked off of YouTube because I, I called uh, um, Tony Fauci a fraud on one of our episodes. And uh, just just to set that up, um, I remember him from when I was young, and I was probably uh, 15 or 16 years old at the time, and the um, uh, AIDS epidemic was coming, and HIV was being discussed a lot, and I had a, an uncle who was a dentist, and, and he was parroting a lot of what they were saying at the time about how dangerous and the great concentration of, um, uh, you know, HIV to where you could get it off a doorknob and things like this. And I was watching these things not unfold the way that they were predicting. And so, of course, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci was behind that and, you know, doing a lot of nefarious things at that time to, you know, get us all, um, you know, afraid of the AIDS epidemic and HIV and everything that was going on there. And I remember thinking at the time that, okay, you know, what's with this guy? And then, you know, you fast forward years later and we're seeing this repeated pattern. And and then, uh, um, you know, with that, uh, nobody seemed to look backward and say, okay, you know, what was going on back then? He was wrong then. Why is he all of a sudden right now? So uh, anyway, um, uh, with, with that, I don't want to be the... Uh, the guest here, so I'll let you guys go and, and take it from here. How'd you get? How'd you get into you know working on this project? Uh, tell us about the book, and then I know we're going to talk about the um, actual suppression of this book and everything else. Yeah, so I first heard about this book uh, about a year and a half ago, and I had known Bobby Kennedy for about ten years. We had published his uh, two prior books. Uh, one was called Thimerosal, Let the Science Speak. And there was a ton of censorship of, of that book, too. It was a, a sort of a summary of 500 studies uh, showing what thimerosal in vaccines could do to young children. And, and the book was universally panned, even though it, it seemed pretty clear that nobody was actually reading it, that it was just coming from big pharma. So, you know, that's how I sort of got involved. And, um, and when I heard about this book, I, I right away knew that we had to publish it. 
and and then you know so Sophia and I spent lots of time working on it and you know she can tell you something about that process yeah <laughs> um yeah Tony and I have become best friends <laughs> boundaries middle of the night phone calls and like what do you have for this part okay we have to move this um yeah it's it's become a, a beast um and and you know uh robert kennedy definitely deserves the credit for putting together uh what amounts to a real tour de force i mean it's um 16 hour days that he spent writing this all out and and um you know, and then it kind of came to Tony and me to try to put everything together um, in a way that made sense. There's not very much real estate left in the book. If you notice, all the margins are, no, there's nothing there. We tried to cram as much as we possibly could in there. Um, yeah, and a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff, fortunately, didn't make it in. A lot of stuff had to be taken out um, just because we can't write a 22 encyclopedic volume of every single incident in which Tony Fauci and his minions and others have um, really violated and trampled on human rights at the um, for the profit margins at, for, in order to, for profit. And um, so we had to kind of pick the the most salient of each example. And you're right. The AIDS crisis is the wonderful example of this playbook. It was a model and he just followed the same model. But it's not the only one. He's done it multiple times since then and now again. Yeah, that's that's what um, you know was surprising to me is how many things that we don't know about that you know he was involved in all over the world um, that was to the detriment of you know people's health, of course, and you know really set to line their pockets, um, and and uh, you know this thing I, I've never seen a book with more um, footnotes and references in it um, as well. Which if there was um, things in here that were not true um you know they would they would not just suppress it but they would go after you legally but mm -hmm. you guys have done such an amazing and and careful job of of documenting everything in this yeah so this is you know just uh, an incredibly well researched you know document that shows 50 years of government corruption where Dr. Fauci was essentially working for the pharmaceutical companies at the expense of the people of this country. So it was not about public health. It, you know, this book really shows that it was about helping pharmaceutical companies maximize their return on investment. And so many people suffered and so many people died, you know, in this process of just extracting money from the people of this country and funneling it to pharmaceutical companies. So um, if you guys would, let's talk a little bit about those deaths, because I, I think that's where the, the real drama in this story is. I mean, there's real people that have been you know, killed and lives that have been destroyed in the pursuit of those profits. And, you know, Anthony Fauci and, you know, folks that have been on his team have gotten wealthy in the process themselves. Yeah, that's correct. There, uh, as you mentioned, the AIDS crisis um, you know, there's a lot of components that go into, you know, how a drug company is going to have a return on investment. Um, and a lot of those, uh, ideally, um, stop gaps that are in place to prevent something like this from happening um, ends up being deliberately annihilated by people like Tony Fauci, um, for example. Um, AIDS, in fact, was not even with 
uh, NIH. It wasn't, that's not where, it wasn't with NIAID. Um, it was at Cancer Research. And Tony Fauci wrested it away from Cancer Research by a funded study that he, stu that he funded um, this one guy who found that in, I think it's 61% of the cases that HIV was present. So great. Now it's an infectious disease. Now I can take that. And at the time he was in bed with Gilead. So you have a drug company now, and now you have control over this potential profit using something. We don't know what at that time that's going to make a profit. AZT was a chemotherapy drug. And it was a chemotherapy drug that was highly effective. It killed the cancer by killing the patient every time. And what happened is it got shelved because it was so deadly that it, there was just no reason to use this drug. Chemotherapy drugs all do this. They kill everything in the body and eventually kill the patient. But the hope is that you stop giving it before the patient dies. That, that was not happening with AZP. Um, 100% of the patients were dying. And so they shelved it. And when Tony, Fest, Tony Fauci wrested um, AIDS away from cancer research, they repurposed that drug. And it wasn't even going to be patented. Um, but now we're looking at having to do testing and we're having to get approval and we're having to do safety testing and regulatory compliance and all of this stuff that should have taken years and even then it wouldn't have been approved because it was so deadly. And yet what ended up happening is a movement cropped up. You might see some parallels <laughs> with what's going on right now. A movement cropped up called ACT UP. And that movement uh, came out of nowhere and all of a sudden was pressuring Tony Fauci to approve this drug without any of the safety regulatory compliance. So what that did is that shielded him from making a decision that he wanted to make all along. But now, oh, you've got, it's my hands are tied. I can't, I can't do anything about it. I have to, I have to approve this drug. And hundreds of thousands of people died. Wow. Yeah, it's just a game um, that, that they're playing over and over again. Unbelievable. Yeah, and it's 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 clear that Dr. Fauci, you know, over this 50-year period, has never been for low-cost, unpatented treatments or or drugs. You know, he's always wanted to steer the whole country towards the most expensive, most profitable treatments at the expense of our health. And you know, that's what's really scary is that. The early treatments that he rejected for COVID were, were simply treatments where no money could be made. So he was not relying on science. It was not about following science. It was about following money. What are you talking about? I am the science, as he says. Yeah. <laughs> well, and further, that's to Tony's point, that's a really important point. And further, what he also did is made sure that if you look at, for example, the just obesity-related comorbidities alone, right? So let's say COPD, diabetes, heart disease. Every good drug dealer knows the money's on the comeback. These are all repeat customers for life. Yeah. So long as they have these conditions and they're in an unhealthy state. 
So what do you think would have happened if Tony Fauci had come out early on and said, listen, we don't know a lot about this. We're still figuring this out. We're gaining new information every day, but here's your best shot at surviving this and not having an adverse event and not having a critical reaction to this anomalous virus. We understand it's anomalous. Whether or not you're admitting that there's gain of function or any of that, we can see that it's an anomalous virus. So great, your best bet is to get healthy. We're gonna incentivize this kinds of behavior. We're gonna make accessibility for families to be able to have these kinds of foods and this knowledge and this education to be able to get healthy. But how much money do you think the drug companies would have lost just from, forget about COVID, just from people becoming healthy and not needing to be on their drugs for life for that one corner of the market? Yeah, so, um, so you're absolutely right. And there was zero talk in any mainstream media, um, you know, anything from the government, the CDC in regards to our health or our immune systems or all the things that, that we should have been doing um, just anyway. Um, and you're right, because it, it does take away from their customer base if people get healthy and, you know, aren't on their, um, you know, subscription prescriptions. Right. And so, um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. So I so I think that you know when you look at the censorship of this book, you know what you have to focus on is that the censorship was just a tool used by Dr. Fauci and by people working with him to steer people away from anything that was low cost, anything that was just based on on health like you were saying before. So it was just a tool in this conspiracy, in this corruption to extract money from millions and millions of people. Yeah, it's a tremendous game that, again, like I said earlier, that they're playing here. They really, we have uh, public health agencies that aren't so crazy about health. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, what, one of our... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, unfortunately, they are also funded by the very industry that they are charged with regulating. So we're talking about a closed loop here. Yeah, that that seems to be true. And, and you know, I'd love for you to expand on this. But all of these government agencies seem to be connected, you know, and we do know our media is as well to to pharmaceutical companies, um, you know, the FDA, um, you know, we, we know that they're that they're in bed with them. Um, I just got finished uh, this last weekend um, watching the, the final few episodes of Dope Sick, which uh, do a good job of cataloging a lot of that cozy relationship and how much they, the FDA plays interference, um, you know, f on behalf of the, the pharmaceutical companies, you know, through and through and essentially gets, you know, gets paid to, you know, to do their bidding and to, uh, you know, approve their drugs and all that. And the entire time, what, what I came away with on that particular show is that um, they were looking for a way or an argument to make in favor of the pharmaceutical companies the entire time. You know, it was like, uh, how can we massage this in order to help our business partners, what it feels like? Um, and, and we know that uh, the, the CDC, I mean, you know, the NIH, all of them have, have the, that similar or, um, you know, same relationship. So it's a symbiotic, uh, sy symbiotic thing that they're doing there. Yeah, and I mean, 
if you look at at sort of Dr. Fauci as as the head of this sort of uh, public health cartel, and he he tells a story when when people ask him what his favorite book is, he says that his favorite book is The Godfather, and his favorite line in that book is, you know, it's not personal, it's just business. So you think of this guy who's hired to be concerned and to protect the health of you know all of us and especially our children. And he's coming right out and saying that what he cares about is business and money and, and not sort of health and wellness. And that's a very scary thing, you know, yeah. that, that somebody with that much power has that perspective and, you know, can engage in these kind of financial entanglements. So there was a story that, that came out just about two weeks ago that they were something like $350 million paid to Dr. Fauci and many of the people who he worked with during a 20-year period. And nobody's been able to sort of figure out precisely how much money Dr. Fauci got. But this really validates what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says in this book, The Real Anthony Fauci. You know, that you know he, he's really getting into all of these mechanisms of the entanglements that led to this focus on money. And he's trying to prove it. And then the facts are sort of, more facts are, are coming out now that prove that the story that he's told is the true story. And like you said before, if Dr. Fauci wanted to disprove things in these books, in, in this book and in other books, he, he doesn't need censorship. You know, that's right. one tool that he's been using, but he can come right out. I mean, he can get on any show in the country. He can be on the front page of the New York Times day after day telling his story. So if he had a response to this book, he would make it. He would prove that it isn't true, but he hasn't done that. He hasn't sued anybody. And that looks like further validation of the claims in this book. Well, because the more you you cast a light on this thing, um, you know, then the more people are going to be curious about it. And and actually, on any one of these claims, you know, you start to point to it. Um, you know, it's you're you're just going to end up highlighting it. Um, and I know that 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 they're they're clever in in just trying to censor it. Um, talk about what they've done to to censor it. Yeah. So you know, the censorship has been really really broad. So you know. Bookstores have boycotted it. Libraries boycotted it. Big tech platforms received letters from government officials, from U.S. senators, asking them not to let us advertise on it. Um, you know, so so you couldn't advertise for it. it. It got no reviews in any major newspaper in the country. And then there was this whole series of hit pieces attacking and trying to discredit. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So, you know, simultaneously with the publication of the book. So in its first week, it was the best-selling book in the country by tens of thousands of copies. And yet the New York Times listed it as number five and took its own book, The 1619 Project, which was written by one of their staff writers and, and was, you know, on a, a program that was funded by the Times. And they just kept their own book at number one week after week after week. So the, the idea that they wouldn't review a book, they wouldn't accept advertisements for it, they run hit pieces against the author, they censor it on their bestseller list. I mean, this is a multi-pronged attack on this book. 
and none of it is on the content of the book. So you don't get any mention of the content. So that's, you know, that's how this kind of thing is, is working now. And then, of course, uh, you know, the U.S. government, Biden wants to set up a, a disinformation division that will further uh, direct people to a very specific narrative. So the New York Times, you know, its bestseller list is like a recommended reading list. All of its yeah. activities are steering you towards a very specific narrative. And the government is can, controlling that and trying to control it even more. Yeah, no, it's uh, um, the the New York Times list, and I think more and more people have, have um, gotten into this lately, and I'm glad. It's being exposed for its deception. It's a curated list of what they want you to read. And, and really has very little to do with what is actually bestsellers and really what, you know, what is moving among the public. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're deceitful liars and, and, you know, have been for generations well, they're, now. They're unable to and have as of yet been unable to identify. They love to use the word disinformation. Yeah. Um, but they've had yet to identify what what any of us have said that is incorrect or inaccurate. And yeah. when we ask, please identify what it is that you believe is misinformation here. They come, Tony had like literally four pages of emails back and forth with the New York Times where they, they kept saying misinformation. And he was like, great, here's 2,194 citations. And here's where it's not misinformation. And if you believe it is, let's have that conversation. And he went back and forth with them for days, for a week. And finally, at the end, they basically came back and said, we're a private company. We can do what we want. We're not talking about it anymore. Yeah, because of course. They, they literally didn't have anywhere else to go because they couldn't identify anything. And when you realize, too, that the media, so they're the paper of record, the media and our media is the fourth branch of government, right? Our yep. media and our- Brought to you by Pfizer. Brought to you by Pfizer. Um, you know, all of these, all of these people on one side have a vested interest in representing or even making available or not available certain things to the masses. Then you look and they all have the same thing to gain. And they're all supporting each other saying, yeah, he's right, he's right, he's right. Then you have the other side, people like Robert F. Kennedy, who are at their peril and with nothing to gain and everything to lose and in fact have lost. This has destroyed the lives of so many physicians and people like Robert Kennedy. And you know they, they have lost everything for this fight. And yeah. yet it's for nothing to gain. So you have to ask the question, who are you listening to and why are you listening to them? And if these people all support each other and they all have the same, they're all getting a piece of that pie and this person over here doesn't get anything, he's just trying to help humanity, I'm listening to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised that, you know, a lot of the, the liberals that have, you know, bought into, um, you know, those narratives because, you know, I, I would have never imagined any time, you know, in history uh, where um, the the liberal left is aligned with big pharmaceutical companies and, you know, things like that. Just it, it defies 
you know, anything I ever knew about, you know, what they purported they believed in for so so many years. It's interesting how the people who have carried the torch for so long, uh, 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 specifically about this issue as well, um, have now turned around and just abandoned. I keep saying to people like, I before this, it was always pharma's bad, the big bad wolf, pharma, they're terrible, they're awful, they're the evil corporation. And then this happens and everyone went, but I'm sure this is fine. Yeah. Why on earth would you suddenly do a complete about face at everything that you've been saying for decades? And it's not like what's interesting too about it is, and I do I'm sad that that party seems to have jumped off a cliff because I am um, I'm a recovering Democrat. Yeah. Um, I'm now libertarian, but um, I, I'm, I am the definition of the liberal left elite academia. I'm from the Northeast. I went, I mean, it's just, I, I'm a hard carrying member. And uh, it's not it. like I woke up one morning and was like, huh, I totally believe the opposite of everything I've ever believed in my whole life. Like, no, I woke up and the line moved from over here to way over here. These people dove off a cliff. And now every time I have try to have a reasonable, rational conversation with anyone in that camp, I get this weird non-conversation conversation. It literally is like I asked you what your favorite color is and they answer you with Thursday. Yeah. And they're just off the rails. And I don't know what to do with that, but it's really sad because historically, this is the party of debate and this is the party of robust science and this is the party and they're the ones censoring that. Yeah. Well, I I think I think that that was uh, purported to be many, many years ago. And yeah, they they left you. Um, And it's it's funny because I you know, I try to say. To, to my friends who are, you know, classic liberals, right? You know, number one, we can all get along. I mean, I, uh, some of my very closest friends are what you would describe as liberals, um, you know, of the old school type where, yeah, you know, hey, we're, okay, we're open-minded, you know, uh, let, let people do what they want to do kind of thing. And, you know, and I'm a, a hardcore, con, you know, conservative guy. Um, but all of us have far more in common together than any of us do with the communist left, that has you know hi- hijacked that world, um, and and that's really uh, what has become evident to me. And we talk about it a lot on on our channel here. Um, is that we are not really at war with anyone other than the oligarchy now. What we have is an elite oligarchy that is in charge, and it's you know it's a uh, the corporate intersection uh, or the intersection between big corporations uh, and government. And, you know, and all of that is to, together and manipulating the rest of us, including these, you know, communist knuckleheads that, you know, uh, I, I forget who it was that called them the useful idiots. Um, but, well, but that's really nailed, what's going on now. You just nailed actually the, the what I think is the most important issue that's happening right now. All of these things that we're talking about are symptoms. But I think that you just hit on the really terrifying thing that's going on right now. Um which is, um, you know, we, everyone's screaming about First Amendment violations for being kicked off platforms. And that's actually not a First Amendment violation. What is a First Amendment violation is 
when you have a president who stands up and says to the masses that he is working with a corporation, with big tech, to censor civilians. So yep. what we have here is not just a First Amendment violation, but as you pointed out, what we have is fascism. Fascism, yep, exactly. by definition, is a government working with a corporation to manipulate and control civilians. And that is where we are standing today in 2022. It's not, oh, we want to prevent the country from sliding into fascism. We're already there. And that's what's terrifying. And that's yeah, what's we've, really we've been, happening. Yeah, we've been there for a while. It's just that yeah. now people are starting to wake up to it. People are starting to understand you know, for uh, how they've been manipulated and how long they've been manipulated. We've operated yeah, under the illusion of rights for a long yep. time. Yeah, those, I think, are really great points, you know, that that as you're reading a book like The Real Anthony Fauci, you should begin to recognize that it's not about left or right. It's really about right or wrong. And, you know, this is not at the same time. It's it's not about whether you're pro vaccine or anti vaccine. This is about corruption and it's about a, a rebellion that needs to take place against this corporate corruption, this fascism, and that that isn't good for anybody in this country on the left or the right. right. And you know, if you think of somebody like Dr. Fauci, who, if you believe this book and he hasn't presented any facts to contradict it, nobody has, not the New York Times, not the government, all of these people call it misinformation, but you know, like you were both saying, they haven't presented a shred of information to disprove any of it. So, you know, when you look at somebody like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he was right about, you know, mercury in early childhood vaccines. He was right about the rivers that he cleaned up. He brought over 500 lawsuits to force corporations to stop polluting all around the country. He fought Monsanto to a $72 million settlement. I mean, he's been fighting corporate greed and government corruption for the last 30 years of his life. Would you believe somebody like him or would you believe somebody like Dr. Fauci, who's been taking money on the side, who's been protecting pharmaceutical companies? And, you know, that's the real question here. What do you believe is happening here and who should you trust? Yeah. Um, along those lines, I mean, do, has anybody ever been um, close to or done a good estimate of, uh, you know, that evil little troll's net worth? Because he's got to be, uh, you know, phenomenally wealthy after all the years of, of this evil grift. I believe he is the highest paid non-elected individual um, in the health, in, in the field. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe that. Yeah, you, you are. Yeah, you, you are correct on that. But I mean, uh, salary is one thing, but we do know um, uh, because there's there are deals that we are aware of, and I know some right. of them are cited in this book where where he has gotten, um, you know, estimated millions of dollars, you know, in additional, um, you know, revenue, um, you know, from from all of these sweetheart deals, and we do know that he. 
uh, arranges for a lot of those, um, you know, some of those financial windfalls to go to his team members. And, and, you know, they crafted a lot of this stuff into law. Again, you know, I, I say on the show all the time, there's all sorts of things that are legal that are not moral. And there's all sorts of things that are moral but not legal. And, uh, and you know, since we've abandoned ethics and morality, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's been doing over these years has been technically legal, but it is abhorrent and immoral. But a lot of stuff that he's been doing actually hasn't been legal. And that's the other really True. alarming thing about what's going on yeah. right now, is that we aren't enforcing things like laws in this country. Um, I keep saying it's like, you caught the guy... He was kneeling over the body, covered in blood, holding a knife. The DNA checks out, and he admitted it. We're just not prosecuting murders this week. So yeah. there are so many examples along the way of not just rights that have been trampled on that are unconstitutional. This is unconstitutional. Um, and I use the example of you guys because you guys have been uh, strong-armed and fined and everything else. Um, and for for not exercising your constitutional, for exercising your constitutional rights and not closing down your uh, religious establishment. And that is in the constitution. Liquor stores aren't in the constitution. You guys are. Yep. And yet you guys have come, they, they're not, there's no shame anymore. They, they are just going to use the battering ram that is their power and money and oligopoly to suppress and control people for exercising their constitutional rights. And that is terrifying. The unions are captured. The smaller, uh, you know, at the state level are captured. The agencies are captured. There's no, to what agency do you go when every ace is stacked against you? Other yeah. than outside the bubble. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, my crack uh, team in, in inside just did a little bit of googling, and uh, and yeah, his salary is four hundred and thirty thousand uh, per year, and then the unofficial estimate, and I gotta believe that this is low, is you know his net worth is five million. I I don't buy that. I think it's got to be a lot higher, just based on some of the deals that we know. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll bet he's he's uh, fabulously wealthy, but yeah, um, and, and then Forbes says that he gets uh, that that once he leaves, he gets three hundred and fifty thousand dollars each year for the rest of his life. Yeah, a big big pension there. And yeah, yeah. So what's interesting though is that they are painting, so they're kind of making it seem like oh, he's only worth this, and that's over five decades of accruing yeah. this this kind of wealth. And yet, at the same time, when this book came out, they called Tony, Lions, not Fauci, <laughs> they called Tony and they said, uh, we want to know how much money Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is making on this book. And Tony told them the truth, which is nothing. He's donating yeah. every penny to charity. He didn't Amen. make one penny on this book and he's not taking one penny on this book. And... The AP still ran the headline saying that he made millions on his book. So not only did they have the accurate information from the horse's mouth that they made into something that it wasn't, but now you're telling me that they're lowballing however much money Tony Fauci has made on his sweetheart deals 
with these corrupt companies. Sure. I mean, just sure. just to be just to be clear, there that was the New York Post that uh, okay. that that con contacted me, and I was like you said, I was very clear. He's not making one penny on this book, and 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 they dug and dug, and they asked all these questions, and I kept saying not a penny, and the headline was like you said. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. makes millions on his anti-Fauci book. So, you know, they were going to run with that narrative regardless of what I said. Yeah. You know, they, they were going to put out this misinformation to mislead the American public and to, you know, have it be unclear because the real story is that Dr. Fauci is making millions and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is doing it because he believes it's the right thing to do. No, you know, he's he's a he really truly is a hero. I have tremendous amount of respect for him. He should be um uh he he should be a hero to both the liberals and the conservatives and you know anyone who loves freedom and liberty. Um you know what he's done over the years and and I admit I was a um I've been red-pilled in my own way recently, um, you know, over the the last year or so here in regards to uh, vaccines in general, um, because, you know, I was watching a lot of the, the folks that were getting, you know, caught up in the, you know, anti-vaccine movement years ago. And, and I was thinking it was like it was when I was a little kid. And, you know, my dad, I've told this story before, had polio when he was two and, and is a paraplegic and, you know, been in, on crutches or, you know, wheelchair his whole life. Um, and so I'm thinking, who are these crazies? you know, that are saying we don't want or need vaccines until I realized, you know, and in looking into it, you know, what what they were doing to our kids in terms of the number of vaccines and the, you know, and and how many they give at once and all of those sort of things started to wake me up to, okay, this isn't, you know, the pharmaceutical companies doing good and doing necessary. Um, it's, you know, it's really a, a, um, a nefarious and, you know, sort of, you know, evil plot behind the scenes. And, and so um, I, I, I'm so grateful for the work that he's doing. And, and again, he should be a hero for all of the things that he's been doing. And, uh, and you know, evil little garden gnomes like Fauci, um, you know, I hope someday they, they uh, face the judgment they deserve for, you know, the, the murderous path he's taken in his career. Um, you know, in favor of these big pharma deals and, you know, our, our, you know, government tyranny. That's the problem, too, um, is that the, the tyranny, the, the structure of which Tony Fauci is largely the architect, um, he certainly contributed to that scaffolding. Um, but the way to remove a fascist from a fascist system is not to get rid of the fascist. It's to yeah. dismantle the fascist system. So there's yeah. always going to be a Tony Fauci. There's always going to be, and all of these guys, right? There's, it's not just, I mean, we've got Bill Gates, we've got Dasig, we've got Collins, we've got Walensky, we've got all of these people, the Borlaws, and all of these people who have made these decisions along the way who with, that have contributed to where we're standing right now. We can get rid of all of these guys, and they're bad guys, and we should get rid of them. But it is going to be cutting off the head of the Hydra unless we dismantle and restructure the actual corrupt system that exists as it exists and replace it with a system that actually protects the people and actually is health 
based, not allopathy based. It is health based. Allopathy is a last resort. You don't start with that. So I get I my I my arm gets cut off. It's allopathic medicine to the rescue. But that's not where we start. That's ludicrous. That's absurd. And yet that's what's pushed. And that's because there is a profit there. There is a gain there and it's a financial yeah. gain. So until and unless we can change this system to be not profit based and to be health based and humanitarian based, there's always going to be an Anthony Fauci that's going to come in and exploit that yeah. system. That, that's wise. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you say that because, uh, you know, that's something that, that we should communicate more often. Um, you know, it's easy. You know, we've got we've got someone that, that we've got a picture of. You know, we can put a face, you know, to to the evil. But it's but it's right. You know, and you listen, you know, we're um, we're a church here and, you know, we believe we have this, uh, you know, this great enemy. And, uh, you know, and he's pulling the strings of a lot of these things. And um, and yeah, uh, Fauci and Gates and all those folks are um, are the agents of this corrupted system. And uh, and you're absolutely right. We've got uh, we got the uh, um, destroy the system, uh, retool the system, whatever language you want to use, because you're right. They'll they'll just uh, put another guy in his place. And they're going to keep going younger and younger and they're going after the kids. And that's what they're doing now. And that's why pushing back this tide has never been more important. Um, You know, vaccinating kids against 86 things they don't need was never about vaccinating kids against 86 things they don't need. We're always talking about compliance and we're always talking about um, removing the parental controls now that they're removing in the in the schools um, for consent for parental consent um, is terrifying because we're moving in a direction of making our kids wards of the state. And it's a very quick, swiftly moving train. This is not a slow moving train. They're trying very hard to remove your ability as a parent to decide what's best for your kid. And we all experience that at an adult level. Listen, life is mitigation of risk. We all day make decisions to try to best mitigate what our risk is. And my risk might be different than what's a risk for you. And further, what's a risk I'm willing to take might be a risk you're not willing to take. But that's what we do as adults. And those rights are being removed. But it is 10 times more egregious when they are removing that for a child. So you have these defenseless kids that are now being thrown to the wolves because as adults, we're unwilling to stand up and fight for these basic human rights. And they are constitutional, but they're also, if you want to call them God-given, these are constitutional rights, but they're also human rights. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And they're telling us that they don't believe that the parents should be in charge of the kids. I mean, that they, you know, the state actors are, are, you know, they're not, this isn't a hidden agenda. They're, they're coming right out and saying it, um, uh, you know, out loud that, that they don't believe that parents should be the ones that make these decisions. Um, you know, so let's, let's shift gears a little bit on that. Cause I'd love to talk, um, you know, obviously, you know, we had this, uh, you know, hor- horrific shooting um, earlier this week, um, you know, in Texas. And, 
I, I went on a couple of different radio shows and podcasts because of, you know, um, our, our background at Covered Six with respect to active shooter. And, you know, that was how our company was conceived. And and we do a lot of that work at the, you know, security level. And and um, and so I've, I've been weighing in on on some of this stuff. And, uh, um, you know, we uh, find one a couple of things that are in common with nearly all of these uh, active shooters and these school shooters and all that. And that's two things, uh, fatherless homes. So, you know, we definitely have, a, you know, crumbling moral underpinnings in the family and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, is one of those common factors. But the second thing is, is uh, SSRIs, so psych meds. Um, nearly all of these kids um, have been on psych meds for for many many years, and um, you know although we're still getting the full picture of this particular um, shooter and the details surrounding it, um, you know I I see the whole push to put these kids on these psych meds as really evil. Can you talk it's a little bit about that? It's more than a push. It's yeah, more than a push. Act- yeah, go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think that that this is just more pharmaceutical company corruption, and that they're willing to do anything to our children, even you know, to 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 really hurt millions of children just to make more money. So you look at at what happened last year. So something like 2.8 million teenagers tried to commit suicide in one year in in 2021. And, you know, that's just a crazy story. It's a crazy number of children. And, and you have to ask yourself why that is. And why is it that, I mean, active shooter events, these are terrible things. And anytime somebody's life is, is lost, especially children, that's horrific. But I think we really do have to focus on what the causes are and what the numbers are too. If 2.8 million children try to kill themselves in one year and there's no coverage of that and there's no coverage of, you know, 90,000 children ODing in one year, but there's this incredible coverage of the active shooter events, but not like you said of, of who those people are and why they might have done it. I mean, there's a quote from Thoreau uh, that there are thousands hacking at the branches of evil for everyone who is who is getting to the roots. And we have to really get to the root of this evil. And, you know, it seems to me that there's a very strong chance that it's the pharmaceutical company's products and that it's, you know, some of Dr. Fauci's policies during these last couple of years that have led to this crisis. And this is a real psychological crisis for all of our children. And, you know, guns are, are, a, are a tool that, yeah. that they can, can use, and that's true. But why is it that millions of children want to kill themselves? Why is it that so many children are going out and shooting other children? I mean, we, we have to get to the bottom of it, not just try to patch it up by, you know, taking the weapons from them but not looking at the root of this evil. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're going to find another weapon because the problem isn't the weapon. The problem is why this is happening. And as you mentioned, um, I know here in California, um, it's a real push to put kids on 
behavioral drugs. And they target um, lower income families and they target minority families, usually from other countries. So English is a second language. And they target single parent uh, families. And what they do is they call in the parent and sit them down with 15 experts, UCLA experts and physicians and pharma people saying, your kids, you know, this is a really big problem. Meanwhile, the kid is a kid. It's usually yeah. not anything super excessive and out of the ordinary. Um, and I know individuals who have pushed back on this and the kids are fine. Um, they didn't need to be put on drugs. Um, and in fact, a year and a half later, there were side effects that came down and my friend was grateful that he did not acquiesce. But um, the, the thing is that they really put this pressure. They call the parent in, they put all this pressure. If the parent doesn't comply with putting this kid on this drug, they then threaten with CPS and they say it's child abuse and we're going to send. And often they do show up at the door. And wow. now what they're doing with these bad bills is trying to eliminate parental consent for putting not only children on medications, but now they, are, they can collude to keep it from the parent. So how could that go south? You've got a parent who doesn't know what's counterindicated with their own kid because they are not allowed to know that their kid's on it. There are so many ways that this can go south. And at the end of the day, too, what we're seeing is malfeasance. And there's a couple of reasons this is malfeasance, not in the private schools, unfortunately, because in a private school, you're paid to indoctrinate my kid. There's nothing I can really do about that. But what LAUSD, for example, um, and we are pushing back, um, LAUSD is a, it's a public school district and they are paid for by taxpayers. So there is what's called a scope of contract. And that scope of contract is like a job description. In other words, you're paid to teach my kid math and science and maybe choir. And you have to disclose that information because you are paid for by taxpayers. So if you operate outside the scope of that contract, you are committing malfeasance. Further, you are unqualified. You are not a cl clinical psychologist. You are not my child's physician. And in fact, you are practicing medicine without a license. So it's malfeasance right. three ways. But they're just bulldozing through right now in the schools in California, the public schools in California, to try to get these kids on as many pharmaceuticals as possible. And yeah. I have people that tell me, that sounds crazy. You sound like a QAnon crazy conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, okay, well then, so be it. <laughs> All I can tell you is this is what's happening. And the schools, by the way, are also funded. They get a lot of their funding from pharma. Ooh, okay. It, uh, talk, talk to me a little bit about that. And then I've got a funny, I'm a product of, uh, a pathetic product of LAUSD. And, uh, and so, <laughs> um, but, uh, a very quick, funny story on that is, um, I, uh, actually graduate. I have two high school diplomas because I left high school, um, in the San Fernando Valley, you know, going to a LAUSD high school and, and, you know, moved to another school district cause I moved and they still graduated me, even though I only went to half of my high school career there. 
and because you know obviously that there's so many games that are being played and they were getting paid because it's not as if i had enough credits or anything like that i was not a great student but they kept me you know listed there kept me as a student you know must have manufactured it all so i went to visit my friends who were graduating and they called out my name so i i, I and i did go pick up that diploma <laughs> so. yeah it's, yep. it's terrifying how um it's just really terrifying how off the rails and willing to be transparent about being off the rails they seem to be um you know they will not disclose curriculums to parents who can't opt out and if it's not yeah. so bad why can't you tell us what you're teaching our kids what? Yeah. Well, their and fundamental belief is they're in charge of your kids. So, well, you know, like we said earlier, that's it. But what we're getting into is that you're teaching our kids morals and values. And the problem with that is whose morals and whose values? Is that cross-cultural? Is that cross-socioeconomic? Is that what, whose, whose values are you, are you teaching? And by definition, that is called indoctrination. So to assume that parents should just allow their kids to be this ward of the state and to be put on whatever pharmaceuticals the state deems necessary is absolutely insane. Yeah, but I, but I think what the good news is, is that that indoctrination isn't really working, you know, for more and more people, for millions of people in this country, they're just tired of being told what to do, what to think, what to read. And you know, part of the proof of that is you have hundreds of thousands of families that are homeschooling their kids who weren't before. You have a book like The Real Anthony Fauci that's now sold more than a million copies, despite the being the most censored book in the last five years in this country. No other book was censored in any way like this, and it, it still sells more than a million copies. So you have all of these people rebelling in their own ways, you know, flocking from big tech platforms into, you know, places, into platforms and into venues where they really believe they can get real news, where they can get balanced news, where they can hear both sides of a story and make a decision for themselves what they believe. And, you know, that's what's supposed to be possible in this country, that there has to be dialogue, debate. And, you know, you, you can't have a situation where somebody like Dr. Fauci can come along and take doctors and lawyers and scientists and have them kicked off Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all kinds of really smart people and really clear thinking people and just kind of make them disappear. And so many people see that happening, recognize that it that it's going on, and are fighting really hard to make it stop. Well, that's a that's a fantastic way to to wind this up because what we you know what we do here on this show is try to give people hope at the end because you know we're talking about a lot of terrible things and a lot of things that are coming down on us and you know these massive threats to our liberty. But um, but you're absolutely right. You know uh, we are so grateful for. Uh, the two of you and for uh, uh, for Bobby Kennedy as well. I mean, the the work that uh, he's done, the work that you've done, um, you know, swimming upstream, you know, against this, uh, you know, tyrannical, you know, river of baloney. Um, you know, you guys are, are just true heroes and we really appreciate it. 
um, you know, for our audience, um, you know, pick up the book. Uh, it is densely packed, but it's uh, it's actually a great read. Um, it, it is it is organized really really well. It's um, you know, it's a it's a good one to spend the time getting through. And again, it's a it's a great read. You can also find it, I know, on um, audiobook as well. Um, and it is it is worth the investment uh, because it is eye opening to, to what's going on. And um, you know, thank you both for for coming on and spending the time. Really appreciate it. Um, you guys really d- deserve so much credit for all that you're doing. And and um, I thank you for that. Thanks well, so thank much. you for all that you do as well. All right. Well, thank you, folks. Um, appreciate you tuning in to uh, this episode of Liberty Station, and I uh, hope that was a, a, a good, useful discussion. And again, pick up this book. And with that, uh, good night. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate you putting this together, Sophia. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. We so appreciate it.